What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, Northwestern's hazing scandal rocks the campus, the city tries to re-engage young people, and a double Dutch festival is coming to South Shore. To help me break it down, I'm joined by WCIU-TV host Brandon Pope and Chalk Beat Chicago reporter Mila Kumpalova. It's Friday, July 14th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago is Talking About. Good morning, Mila. Good morning, Brandon. How y'all feeling today? Hey, doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Thanks for having me as well. Hey, I appreciate y'all both making time. Mila, this is your first time on the podcast. Brandon, this is your ninth time. So I think we got a good mixture here, right? We got a newbie. We got an old head. Uh, so we're going to have a good time. <laughs> is that what I am, an old head? <laughs> I thought you was going to let me get it off. But no, man. No, I'm, a vet. I'm a veteran. How about no, that? No, that, that clearly ruffled a feather right there. All right, now I know what I can do to get Brandon off his square. These gray uh, beards, these gray right. beards popping up. These gray beard hairs, you know? <laughs> Before we start looking back on some critical stories, stories uh, from across the Chicagoland area this week. I need to bring y'all in on the conversation producer Simone Ali Say and I were having earlier this week, and that is about the summer movie blockbuster showdown that is less than a week away, and we are talking about in one corner wearing the pink shorts, Barbie, versus in the other corner wearing the atomic shorts, Oppenheimer. Uh, Brandon, I want to start with you. Are you running the Barbieheimer double feature, or does one movie grab you a little bit more than the other? Yeah, fam. I think that it's the double feature for me. You start out <laughs> with a nice light brunch. You go check out Barbie. You get some drinks, and then you really settle in for Oppenheimer and the darkness and the the cinema that comes with that. I can't wait for both. Both are going to be completely different films, but I'm ready for both vibes, man. It's going to be great. I can't imagine doing both movies in the exact same day. And I'm a, I'm a, using your words, I'm a veteran of the four city double feature. <laughs> and by four city double feature, I mean you pay for one movie and you see about two, three, four movies. Mm-hmm. Ho- yep, you know, yep. hopefully nobody oh, yeah. is listening. But <laughs> but those two seem like, despite the marketing, placing them right next to each other, they seem like completely opposite vibes. Like, Mila, what is it looking like for you? Are you a fan of either of the marketing strategies behind uh, sort of the Barbie bomb or the, you know, the actual Oppenheimer-related bomb? Which one are you looking for? Jacoby, I'm the mom of young children. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many years it's been since I've actually gone to a movie theater. I am chronically out of the loop when it comes to <laughs> movies that are coming out in the theater. Um, I will confess that I have no idea what Oppenheimer is. Somehow I've uh, tuned out all the buzz with that movie. <laughs> I do know about Barbie, so I guess just by default I will go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably go pull up on Barbie. Well, Oppenheimer is going to be the story of the design and creation of the atomic bomb. 
but I feel you. I'm good for you. Good for you being out of the loop enough to not get sort of <laughs> swept up in the Barbieheimer mania. Luckily, yep, you, you were in the loop for the stories we're going to be talking about and breaking down today. But I'm going to start uh, with our veteran, uh, Brandon Pope. Uh, a huge scandal has been unfolding over the last week and a half that has to do with Northwestern's football program. Can you catch CityCast listeners on what's coming out of Evanston? Yeah, man. How about this one? The Northwestern football program absolutely rocked by allegations um, of hazing within the program. There was a hazing investigation that took place really a long time ago. People kind of forgot it happened. Um, Then a punishment came down from Northwestern to Pat Fitzgerald for these hazing allegations. It was two weeks, two weeks in the offseason, no games missed or anything like that. So some student journalists at the Daily Northwestern said, let's dig a little deeper. Um, And they were able to talk to uh, 11 different players um, who shared details about this alleged hazing. And it revealed that it was sexual in nature, that it was there was forced nudity, um, a lot of gruesome stuff. And that this is something that had been going on for years. You add that on to an independent report. Uh, from Maggie Hickey, who, I mean, Maggie Hickey now is handling all the independent investigations, it seems like, you know, from Madigan to this. And while the investigation showed that uh, Pat Fitzgerald, there was not enough sufficient evidence to show that he actually knew that this was going on, there was no doubt that it was prevalent throughout the program for a number of years. Uh, So the university president says, I got to re-examine this. That two weeks probably wasn't enough. And then it turns out Pat Fitzgerald Uh, got fired from there. So, I mean, this is really the end of a huge era in Northwestern football. You could argue that Pat Fitzgerald is the greatest figure in Northwestern athletics history. He was a player for Northwestern when they, I believe, won the Big Ten Conference the first time ever. Uh, He was an assistant coach, and then he became the head coach for 17 years, 25 years total. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald is taking legal action. uh, He is. Because of his firing, he's saying it's a breach of contract. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens. Uh, I'm hoping it does go to trial and that we get to see um, some more details of this investigation become public because the details of the investigation are not all the way public. And right mm-hmm. now there are calls from the faculty at Northwestern to make those public, even threatening to put the $800 million stadium rebuild over in Evanston on hold until uh, those details become public. So this is a, a story that's fast moving and swirling and really came out of nowhere to a program that everyone for so long thought was just, you know, family friendly, scotch free. Exactly. Turns out a lot of things happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think one of the things that infuriated a lot of people is, like you said, this investigation had been going on since the fall of 2022. And then in just a two page sort of summary of the internal investigation, we didn't get the full scope of what had happened from Northwestern, from the uh, the investigation to hear that this this two week suspension was being leveled. You saw. Uh, sort of immediately the gears starting to turn on people seeing is this enough in the very next day. Shout out to the student journalists at the Daily Northwestern for putting this story together because they really made it clear that there was no way to really be a part of the Northwestern football program and not have some sense that this was going on in the background. It, it, from what I was reading, it felt like this was something that was practiced semi-openly, that there was a shorthand, there was a language for this type of hazing. Um, 
And like you said, Pat Fitzgerald's future at Northwestern was pretty secure. I mean, just back in 2021, he signed a 10-year, $57 million contract to keep him there up until 2030. And so for that to be over so swift, I mean, he was, you know, fired within three or four days of this report coming out with the Northwestern president, Michael Shields, saying the hazing we investigated was widespread and clearly not a secret within the program. So though they did not explicitly say that Fitzgerald knew anything about it and he has denied it, it, it was clear that a change was going to happen. And, and now Fitzgerald is out. It speaks to a, it's a culture. It's a culture largely in organized sports football but like where you know when you look through honestly when you start looking at student organizations you have to be vigilant and wondering is hazing a part of this and we're talking about fraternities sororities we're talking about programs whether they're um athletic or or scholastic in nature um you have to be looking out uh you know, for students and, and sort of doing your due diligence, because if not, you see this sort of can can fester for for years and years and become sort of just a cultural norm. I, I spoke with uh, Cam Buckner. He's been working on an athlete bill of rights. Yep. And he is now reexamining that bill of rights. Hazing is already illegal in the state of Illinois, but he wants to make sure that that athlete bill of rights, student athlete bill of rights has in it protections and resources to, to handle things like what we're seeing at Northwestern, because it's believed that this could be happening at other schools as well. For sure. We really don't want it to be. It's, it's one thing to be carrying pads uh, for senior members of a football team down a football field, right? That, that's what I had to do when I played football. It's another thing that we saw described in these reports and in this reporting for those Northwestern students. So uh, there's action that's going to be taken in these coming weeks. It's definitely a fast-moving story that is not over yet. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mila, recently you wrote a story about how is the city and Chicago public schools working to engage students who are either out of work or out of school. Uh, can you break down your reporting for us? Sure. Um, I started covering education here in Chicago about five minutes before the pandemic started. And I kept hearing this 50,000 number, 50,000 teens and young adults who are not going to school and not working, uh, which seemed really striking to me. And I have been wanting to examine that. Um, Obviously, we saw more young people disengage uh, from school and in Mm -hmm. some cases from society uh, during the pandemic. And um, I really wanted to look at some of the efforts here locally to try to get them back, bring them back. I'm hearing from advocates that in many other places, we didn't necessarily see the new urgency and new energy around addressing this issue that folks expected would come on the heels of COVID. Uh, But here in Chicago, there was some new movement on this issue. So I took a closer look at these programs. Some of them seem promising. Uh, The district is throwing a lot of resources at this new program. Overall, I feel that, um, and and smart people I talked to said that um, what we've seen in the city is a patchwork of usually small scale fragmented programs without a whole lot of coordination between the various nonprofits and public agencies that are doing work in that space. And we really, it's really hard to come by any sort of data on what the 
outcomes for young people that have been touched by these programs are are they are they getting back to school are they finishing their educations education are they getting jobs we don't know that usually like you said during the pandemic i do feel like so much focus was how do we get you know, students to either, you know, get on your Zoom every day or how do we slowly get them back into classrooms? But when you talk about people who disengage, whether it's from school or the workforce, it feels like the attention has been more sparse. Why is it so important to to focus on these 45,000 to 50,000 young people? What is the city and CPS saying is the benefit of, of reengaging students? The, the fallout from young people disengaging from school and work, even for a fairly brief stretch, is enormous. Uh, this is something that folks at universities and think tanks have studied over the years, especially over the past decades. And what they have found is that clearly there's, there's a toll on these young people's ability to uh, come out of poverty and on their earnings, right? Uh, but there's also really a toll on things like physical health, uh, social, emotional development, relationships long term. Then, of course, um, we know that even though young people here and in other cities disengage for a wide variety of reasons, it's a very complex issue. There is a link between um, gun violence and disengagement. The University of Chicago has found that 90 percent or more of young victims of gun violence here in the city are uh, kids who have disengaged from school. I mean, obviously, there's a you know, sort of real toll that many of these young people are are facing, real challenges that they're trying to move past. And in a city and a narrative in which they are often, because of these links, scapegoated for the ills that Chicago face, right? It's so easy if something is going wrong in the city to look at young people and to blame them. But as you have conversations with people who are trying to to either re-engage, trying to, to, to find their way to, towards work or school, what are they saying they need either from programs or for the city um, to, to kind of move through these challenges? What's what's really clear is that, uh, yes, first of all, it's completely a misconception that um, every one of those 45,000 uh, young people is disengaged because they're involved with a gang or because they're involved in criminal activity. Um, the reasons are really complex um, and uh, really, I think at the end of the day, come down to lack of opportunity in uh, big uh, swaths of the city. Um, I, I talked to one young man who um, had just completed his GED with help from a program that uh, called Reconnection Hubs that um, tries to re-engage young people in Little Village. He was still feeling like he wasn't sure <laughs> what his next steps might be. And in a moment when he should have had this surge of confidence because he had uh, gotten over this hurdle, he was really feeling the way in which mental health and just lack of training and sense of purpose were still kicking in for him. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. 
As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Brandon, I want to move to you. After months of what felt like little to zero rain, uh, we have seen record level rainfall across the Chicagoland area. But it isn't just sort of the rainfall that we're talking about, but the aftermath and the west side really has been hit by this. Catch us up. Yeah, man, it's really exposing some infrastructure issues within the city, especially on the west side. You got people on the west side still dealing with the impacts of that historic rainfall we saw on July 1st and 2nd, it was record-breaking storms. We saw it to nine inches, flash flood warnings, not just the west side, but also the west suburbs. Numerous people are still without water heaters. They're without air conditioning. Um, many people have lost their possessions, experienced lots of damage to their homes. Uh, LaShawn K. Ford, he is uh, currently working to try to activate different funds, all the funds that can be activated. Uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker, he put forward a disaster proclamation to free up more local and state resources. And uh, Tony Preckwinkle's office, Cook County, also doing the same thing, de uh, declaring uh, that emergency proclamation as well to get those funds freed up. But these people are still dealing with a lot of major issues here. And so what I did was I, I was able to talk with this group called the West, uh, the West Side Health Authority. We're mm -hmm. actually going to be having them on our next episode of On the Block, um, airing uh, tonight on WCIU. But the biggest thing they've said is they need help. They need volunteers. Yeah. They need people to help them help others. And so anyone that can step up and be there for their fellow Chicagoans, you're encouraged to reach out to the West Side Health Authority. Really good people over there who are trying to fill these gaps that have really been just long long left there by mm -hmm. decades of disinvestment, right? Story we talked about numerous times is something that Mayor Brandon Johnson ran on. We're seeing it play out as we're dealing with a, with a climate crisis and all kinds of weather um, issues going on right now. This flooding uh, is still creating some major problems for Westsiders. Yeah, I read a quote from Representative Ford that said, nearly 25% of homes in Austin reported flooding throughout this rainfall. And you know, what I think is really concerning, especially when we start talking about environmental justice and the climate crisis is, you know, just earlier this week, we had those tornado warnings. Right. And those sirens go off and you see the sort of wind forming. And because they have these sort of clear uh, impacts on communities and lives lost, they, they, they sort of garner more attention. When you think about the wildfires, you know, the amount of attention. But when we start talking about things like the hottest neighborhoods in Chicago, when we start talking about the neighborhoods that are more susceptible to flooding, you know, we stop paying attention 
as much, but as somebody who's lived in a home that experienced waist high flooding when I was in high school, right? It, it's more than when the water recedes. That has an impact on your health because of the type of water that's being backed up into your home. It has an impact on your property long term. And also when you're like your family possessions, we lost tons of family photos, tons of family books, heirlooms because our house flooded. And and again, like you said, this is an infrastructure issue. This is something that's going to take commitment. It's going to take investment. It's going to take political will, especially as we continue to deal with sort of these unpredictable weather patterns. Um, and so, again, the the cost that, that families and communities are, are having to take on uh, because of this. And so hopefully the disaster proclamation allows for more local and state resources to flow directly to people. Hopefully, um, coordination with FEMA will allow people to to access resources uh, as well. I'm glad you brought up the costs because it is, it does rack up. My mom mm-hmm. has dealt with a lot of flooding in her home. Uh, my grandma's dealt with a lot of flooding in her home. And those bills are no joke. Nope. <laughs> you got no, no joke at all. And, and the damage it causes to everything. Um, I just feel for everybody out there on the West side. So yeah, if you can, if you can help out, please do so. Mm-hmm. The weather is expected to continue to be unpredictable this weekend, so you might be seeing some flash flood warnings, some tornado warnings. Uh, Lakeshore Drive had an entire lane shut out earlier this week because of rain. We've seen cars caught under the Austin overpass, and so continue to remain safe. Check the weather. Check in on your people as much as you can. Mila, earlier in the podcast, you were talking about the city trying to re-engage students who are either disconnected from school or work. Uh, But there's another vulnerable population of young people moving through the city of Chicago. And we're talking about the thousands of migrants, asylum seekers, refugees. And as we're moving back towards the start of the school year, uh, you are doing some reporting on how is the city and CPS working to engage refugee students? Can you talk a little bit about it? Sure. Um, As you know, the issue of migrants arriving in Chicago and the city's efforts to grapple with housing um, and other aspects of welcoming these new arrivals has gotten a lot of attention, Mm -hmm. uh, especially the past couple of years with allegations coming out about uh, sexual misconduct uh, by police officers at stations where some of these uh, migrant families are housed. What I feel is a piece of the story that hasn't gotten a lot of coverage is how schools um, are working to serve this influx of migrant students. Um, We had a story by freelance writer Crystal Paul earlier this week uh, about some teachers who are volunteering um, to read work with students um, in a police station uh, in Morgan Park. But overall, I think it's been hard to even get a specific number from the school district and the city on how many students uh, we're talking about. And we've been hearing maybe for about two months now that the district is gearing up to release a more specific plan about how they will serve migrant students going forward. We haven't seen that yet. Uh, We've heard uh, a little bit from mayor's office officials that uh, they're looking at maybe opening a welcome center at Clemente High School where Uh students will be able to enroll and the district would figure out the best place for them to go to school. Uh, But we're definitely hopefully poised to find out more about what the plan is going forward. 
Yeah, and it's important for people to remember that we're not just talking about asylum seekers arriving from South and Central America. We've also seen, uh, you know, waves of refugees coming from Afghanistan and U- Ukraine, uh, parts of of Africa as well. And when we talk about the resources needed, particularly for refugee students and asylum seekers. We did an episode, oh man, it might be a year and a half ago, uh, with Sullivan High School up in Rogers Park, which has been noted by some, including Arthur Ellie Fishman, as Refugee High, uh, where tons of refugee students find themselves in Chicago. And I think we immediately just think about like language services, but the pressure that refugee students face, they're often in times having to not only take on the task of returning to school, maybe finding work to help out their family, but for so many of them, they end up having to teach the language to their parents, helping their parents transition to America as well. You know, are are we thinking beyond just language services, but also how do we provide more resources when the students leave as well, Mila? Absolutely. I should really hope that we're thinking about uh, about this issue in that more sweeping way. Uh, clearly, meeting the needs of the students goes far beyond uh, providing academics in a in a language that makes them accessible to them. Um, it also really s- stretches to addressing some of the trauma that many of these students bring, connecting them and their families to services in their neighborhoods and in the city at large that their families need to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it really needs uh, to be kind of a, there, there needs to be a thoughtful plan that takes into account these complex needs. Um, And, and I know there's been over this past year, there's been this tension um, in the district between enrolling these students in schools that are close to where they're housed, versus maybe looking at schools that might be better equipped to meet some of their language and other needs. I know there was some good reporting from WBZ earlier this spring, looking at, um, among other things, how some bilingual programs in the city that have really seen their enrollments plummet during the pandemic are saying, we're in really good shape to serve some of those students. Please send them to us. We're Mm -hmm. ready for them. Every single episode of CityCast Chicago ends with, one, a pitch to the newsletter because I think, hey, Chicago is the best damn newsletter in the city. We're talking latest in news, events, breakdowns. But each episode also ends with some good news. Right. This could be personal, professional, an event you're looking forward to, something to help CityCast listening get through the next hour, the next day, the weekend. And Pope, I'm going to start with you. What is your some good news? All right. Let me see if I can try it. <laughs> some good news. Oh, you're yeah, with well, the crooner effect. You know, I see I, you. A hey, little I different tried. vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. I still got to wake the voice up a little bit. <laughs> but hey, here's what I'm pumped about. I'm a kid at heart. We all know I'm just a giant kid. There is this Lego store at Water Tower Place. They got a pop-up that's going to have Lego brick burgers, bruh. They, <laughs> like, it's going to be square burgers with a buns 
that are Lego bricks. Mm-hmm. Green, yellow, red. They look so cool. I know y'all just hearing this, but I want you to go on the Block Up Chicago website and look up these Lego brick burgers. I'll drop they a link so for the good. people. Now, now here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna be real with y'all. They cost a lot. Okay, it's gonna look cute on Instagram, but it's gonna cost you forty seven dollars for this burger. That's you can sweet. save for a couple of months. It's not coming until I think September twenty third, twenty fourth. So you got a little bit of time. Yeah, get your summer spending done and then save a little bit because that brick burger coming through and it looks hearty. It looks I, thick. I with feel <laughs> That's look a good. Thick with a Q. Uh $47 is 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 ridiculous. It better come with a wine pairing. With that being said, it's it thick, is though. more it's than thick. the food. The entire Pop up and shout out to the water tower because they've been losing uh, stores in there, you know, since been losing. But the pop ups, the interactive pop ups, whether it was the Harry Potter exhibit that was in there for so long or the Lego inspired brick burger, I appreciate how they're using that space. And if you go, like you said, it, it'll be Instagrammable. You're paying the $47 for the food, but you're also paying for the ambiance, the sort of Lego couches and all of the decor on the wall. Moving from brick burgers at water tower to a fun new festival that's coming to South Shore. Me Mila, what is your some good news? My good news extends this kid at heart theme that Brandon <laughs> started. However, like his thing, mine is free. <laughs> um, I will know. not be crooning about it. <laughs> you're not gonna say, no, you're not gonna give me, I thought I was going to get a good news out of you. No, I no matter what I do to wake up my voice, there's there's no crooning coming out of me. So <laughs> and credit to um, my colleague Maxwell Evans at Block Club for uh, writing about this event that's coming up on Max Saturday. It's a it's the Double Dutch Fest at uh, Rainbow Beach in South Shore um, from 11 to 3 on Saturday. And what I love about this event, other than it being free, is that besides getting a chance to <laughs> reconnect with your uh, kid self and get try to get back into the uh, rope jumping game um, and also see some professional groups mm-hmm. do their thing, including break dancing and stuff like that. Um, the event is also really geared around getting folks to appreciate the beauty and the ecological importance of Rainbow Beach. Mm-hmm. It's a top uh, nesting spot for piping plovers. So as part of the event, there will be some information on how neighbors and other folks locally are trying to preserve the dunes and some of the um, plants and animals out there. And there will also be a beach cleanup um, at the end of the event on Saturday. Hey. So how cool is that? That actually sounds awesome. I am from the uh, the era where recer- recess was just held on a sort of glass field concrete parking lot. Uh, <laughs> and Double Dutch was a huge <laughs> part of that time. I'm not going to lie. I tried a few times. I got uh, the whiplash to prove it. But I got to ask, Mila, you talk about getting back into the Double Dutch game. Was you ever in the Double Dutch game? I was not in the game per se, but <laughs> Coach, <laughs> we <me> actually, <laughs> but it was something that I did do um, growing up in Sofia, Bulgaria, in uh, one of those concrete Soviet era neighborhoods on the outskirts of the city. Uh, just 
a few years ago, let's say. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> the visuals. It's been a minute. Um, yeah, I, I am definitely out of rope jumping shape. But hey, well, maybe a well, chance you'll to be get there. back into it. Exactly. You'll be there. Uh, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. tomorrow at Rainbow Beach. Uh, we'll drop more information in, in the show notes. You can get out there. There will be food giveaways. And you can watch people doing flips and all kinds of tricks inside the Double Dutch. But please stand back. Right? Please stand <laughs> back uh, so you don't end up like me. Um Speaking of sort of bringing a weekend event together with a um, educational opportunity, my some good news for the people is a two day event that's happening starting tonight at the Epiphany Center for the Arts. It's called Art Guaranteed. Um, a new podcast is being uh, released by friends over at Respair featuring uh, the one and only Dr. Eve Ewing. And they're going to be at the Epiphany Hall tonight on the near west side, West Loop part of the town to talk about this new podcast that is um, really a look at the guaranteed income pilot programs that we're seeing take place in Chicago and Cook County to talk about what happened when you give people direct cash solutions. How does it impact their life? How does that money make a difference for their family and their community? I'm really excited to hear this podcast. And then on Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m., they're going to be having an art showcase to continue this conversation. Uh, but people can come out, kids and family, they're going to have food, games. It's an entire weekend called Art Guarantee. It is free, but you need to register at a link I will make available in the show notes through Eventbrite. And I will be there tonight uh, to support the homies. Um, again, I want to give a huge thank you to our guest today from WCIU TV and from a thousand other places in the city, uh, the one and only host and old head Brandon Pope and joining us from Chalkby, Chicago for the first time, but definitely not the last time, reporter Mila Kumpalova. Thank y'all both so much for making time this morning. Great to be here, bro. Thank you. Sounds great. Before I let you go, I got to give a huge shout out to the people who make City Cash Chicago possible. That's lead producer Simone Alisea, our newsletter editor Sydney Madden, producers this week are Grant Irving and Noah Snyderman, our roving newsletter editor is Natalia Aldana, and the music we all love to listen to is from the one and only Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. I mentioned the best damn newsletter in the city, which is Hey Chicago. Sign up at chicago.citycast.fm and share with your friends and family. You could join us back here Monday when we're breaking down the finalists for Chicago Police Superintendent, who were just announced last night. Make sure you subscribe to learn more about the decision now facing Mayor Brandon Johnson. My last thank you is for you. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. I have to say this one thing because it's been on my mind the whole conversation. The way you're sitting, Mila, and because of Pope's couch, it looks like you're popping out from behind his shoulder. <laughs> I took a screenshot that I'm going to email everybody. But it looks like the whole time you were just like, yeah, I'm with that. That makes sense. We're talking about children. It's it's a hilarious view. Oh, I love that. Um, that is that totally was... my vibe. Yeah, I'm like, I just got to do, I got to try to do a little bit of what Brandon does and I'm going to be okay. <laughs> 